0: Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then then at least help. let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inerrant word of God. and They're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. This morning we are continuing Alpha. This is session nine and we've only got a few more weeks to go, which is... um, Coming up quite quickly actually, uh, when you think about it, we've uh, been, been excitedly going through the basics of Christianity and learning more and more and more and today we are in week two of three weeks on the Holy Spirit. Last week we looked at who is the Holy Spirit. We went back to Genesis and saw that the Holy Spirit was there at creation and that the Holy Spirit is creative and always brings new things. The Holy Spirit came upon particular people in the Old Testament at particular times for particular tasks and he was indeed then promised by the Father to all believers and was indeed given to all believers following the ascension of Jesus. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for you and for you and for you. It's for all of us. So that covered who is the Holy Spirit. But the next question to logically ask is, what does the Holy Spirit do? So let's get straight into the Scriptures and answer this question. And we're going to start in John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. I've got most of our Scriptures on the screen for us today, but you can certainly follow along in your Bibles John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born in old age? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised by my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. So, the Holy Spirit is a bit like the wind. You can't actually see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Sometimes people say, well, I can't see the Holy Spirit. I've never seen the Holy Spirit. But maybe you've seen the impact on someone else that the Holy Spirit has made, like the wind. You don't see the wind, but you can see the impact. Maybe you've seen the impact on your own life. Maybe something's changing in your own life. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, look, just like with physical birth, a man and a woman come together in an act of love and there is a physical birth, so it is when the Spirit of God and the Spirit of man or woman, come together in an act of love, there is a new spiritual birth. You are born again. I heard of a Sunday school teacher who was explaining what happened in the Sunday school class the previous week, where she'd been trying to explain to the children the difference between physical birth and spiritual birth. And she asked the children, are you born a Christian? And one little boy said, no, miss, you're born normal. Jesus is saying, though, that you need this spiritual birth. Nicky Gumbel recounts his story. He says, when I became a Christian, when I encountered Jesus, I thought that was the end. I'd done it. I had all this sort of thinking about it and and then prayed for the Holy Spirit to come into me and, and, and I'd arrived. Someone explained, actually, no, you haven't arrived. That's just the beginning. Just like when a baby's born, that's not the end, that's the beginning. And so it is when the Spirit of God comes to live in a man or a woman, that's the beginning. It's the beginning of a new life. So what happens? What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, first of all, He makes you a son or daughter of God. Romans 8:14. Paul writes this, those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. What Paul is saying here is that this is the highest privilege that you can have in life. This is the highest status that you can have in life, to be a son or daughter of God. He was writing in the culture of Roman law and under Roman law, when someone adopted someone as a child, that was regarded as the highest status that that person could have. And actually, it's not so dissimilar today. I heard of one little boy who'd been adopted and he was being teased in the playground. People were teasing him about the fact that he'd been adopted and he turned around to the people who were teasing him he said, look, my parents chose me, your parents got lumped with you. It's a huge privilege to be an adopted child of God. Well, Deco Pap had been a homeless alcoholic living on the streets in Budapest. Someone invited her on Alpha and during that course, she encountered Jesus and she'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. She got a job. She started life anew. And 18 months later, Nikki visited Budapest and asked her a question he often asks people at Alpha events. He asked, what difference has Jesus made to your life? And he wrote down what she said. And she said, he's changed me from being a beggar to a princess. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He changes us. Every single one of us becomes a son or a daughter of the king, a prince or a princess. It's the higher status. Then it's also the closest intimacy. By Him, that's by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. You know, Abba is Aramaic, and it's pretty much untranslatable, and that's why it's left in our Bibles in the Aramaic as Abba. And it's a word that's never used in the Old Testament of our relationship with God, but Jesus used it of his relationship with God. He called God. Abba, that's how he referred to him. And this amazing thing, he says, you, all of you, can call God Abba. You can have this relation of of intimacy. So this this word Abba is is kind of like dad or or daddy. It's what a child intimately refers to their, their parent as. It's very intimate. It's, it's not childish, but it's, it's close. It really reflects that intimate relationship. I read about some of the titles that Prince Charles has. He is the heir apparent to the crown, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, Duke of Cornwall, Knight of the Garter, Colonel-in-Chief of the Royal Regiment of Wales, Duke of Rothsay, Knight of the Thistle, Rear admiral of the Royal Navy, great master of the order of Bath, Earl of Chester, Earl of Carrick, Baron of Renfrew, Lord of the Isles, great steward of Scotland. Imagine signing that after every letter. <laughs> if you or I were to sign a letter, we'd have to sign our letter, Your Royal Highness, Most Humble and Obedient Servant, if we were to write a letter to, 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 the, to Prince um. Uh, Charles, but to William and Harry, his dad, right? So when you don't know someone and they have a massive big title, right, you've got to refer to them by that title. But when you have the intimacy of close relationship, you call him dad. They don't say, would you pass the captured kept- great steward of Scotland, knight of the thistle... Right? They say, Dad, can I have the ketchup or the tomato sauce? God says to us, you can call me Dad. You can call me Abba. You can have this intimate, loving relationship with God. You don't approach me like, I don't think of of God as sort of, so many people think of him as like this angry judge who's cross with us all the time. He's a loving Heavenly Father and and you can approach Him as Abba in an intimate relationship. Then there is the deepest experience. The Scriptures say that the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When we become Christians and are filled with the Holy Spirit, we get that full-on experience that God loves me. Not just God loves the whole world, which he does, but God also loves me. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. And that is life changing. And secondly, the Holy Spirit helps us to develop this relationship. He doesn't just bring us into the relationship of being a son or a daughter of God. He helps us to develop it, to grow in it. To grow closer to our Father in heaven, He helps us to pray. We looked at that earlier in the course. We looked at that verse which says that through Him, through Jesus, we both, all of us, have access to the Father by one Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us access. You know, access is an amazing word access to the Father. I once heard of some uni students who had accommodation in some flats above a bank. And the students were always interested in how much noise actually travelled through the floor, which of course was the ceiling of the bank. And so one day there was a bunch of them in a flat, and as we know, uni students have heaps of time on their hands, you know, especially during the day it seems, and so there were all like 10 of them in this flat, right above the bank, middle of the day. And they thought, hmm... I wonder how much noise really does travel through the floor. So let's try it out. So they sent one of their group down into the bank to listen. And so she went down and and stood in line. And they started with one person jumping, just jumping. And then a few of them would jump at the same time. Then eventually all 10 of them would jump at the same time. Then one person jumped off a chair and then they all jumped off chairs onto the ground. Then off the table. And so they're all jumping off the table onto the ground. And so 10 people jumping off a table onto the ceiling, basically, of the bank. And so Jessica, the student that had been headed into the bank, quietly realised that the ceil- sorry, quickly realised that the ceiling was much thinner than what they had thought. In fact, she heard the first time someone jumped, just one person. She heard that very clearly. And so she didn't want to th- want all the people in the bank to think that she was one of the people upstairs, and so she just stood in line and just kept standing there as this jumping noise gets louder and louder and louder. And actually bits of the ceiling started falling off. Bits of the plaster started coming down. And so she thought, oh no, I've just got to get out of here. So she raced out, ran upstairs and said, you can hear everything. And so it was quite interesting that the ceiling or the floor of their flat was so much thinner than what they'd actually thought. And the point of this this story is that the ceiling was much thinner than they thought. And in our relationship with God, the ceiling is much thinner than we think. In fact, it's not there at all. There is nothing that separates us. From God. You have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. There is no barrier between us and God. We can talk to Him and the Spirit helps us to pray. The Spirit also helps us to understand the Bible and He opens our eyes to understanding. You, know, you don't have to understand everything before you become a Christian. It's actually the other way around. It's really only when we become a Christian that we start to understand. You know, The Bible is out there in the world. It is read at weddings and at funerals and in lots of schools, but it's not well understood. But when the Spirit of God comes to live within us, then we begin to understand. One great theologian in the church, Anselm of Canterbury, said this, Credo ut intelligem. I think it's Latin or, you know, something that's weird. And just in case you don't understand what that means, as I didn't, um, it says, I believe in order that I might understand. I believe in order that I might understand. He said, for I do not seek to understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to understand. The Spirit of God gives us understanding. He helps us to develop this intimate relationship. And then the Spirit of God brings about the family likeness. He makes us more like Jesus. It's obvious, isn't it, that children very often look like their parents. I mean, when Josh was little... He was just a splitting image of his old man. You know, he still carries some of those handsome traits, I think, but, uh, well, you know, but it's pretty obvious that kids look like their parents. And what's amazing is that they often look like both parents, even if both parents look completely different. You know, I had some per, someone said, oh, gee, Serena's a splitting image of a dad. Then I had someone in the next conversation say, gee, Serena looks just like a mum. You know, I don't see. It looks like much of us at all. She's a really good mix. I can't see it, but other people do. And there you go. But what's stranger to me is how sometimes husbands and wives grow to look like each other. There's even a phenomenon that you can actually Google on the internet with pets and their owners looking more like each other. It's amazing. What Paul writes is this. If you want to turn with me, you can to 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul writes, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness. You're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. With ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Spirit changes us to become more like Jesus. What, what, does, what does it mean to be more like Jesus? Well, Galatians 5, to you 23, know, this is what it means to become more like Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does to bring about the family likeness in us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first and most important sp- fruit of the Spirit, love. Love is the greatest thing in the world and the Spirit wants to make us more loving. Joy. You know, joy is different from happiness. Happiness is about what happens to us. Happiness can be quite superficial. Joy is deep. It's very deep. It's not dependent upon what happens. Joy. Peace. You know, peace is amazing. It's amazing to experience peace in a world of anxiety and fear and guilt and all this stuff, particularly now, like, you know, with what's going on in our current circumstances. There is peace that God brings to us, even if it's rough. On top, there's peace under the surface. The peace of God, which is beyond all understanding. And patience, you know, that, that, that's something that I'm still trying to develop in my life. I've never, ever been patient, but, you know, amazingly, I have seen moments, particularly with our children, that patience has really grown, and uh, surprisingly so. So there you go, patience. We, that's what, what the Spirit brings, as well as kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the spirit brings. He brings all these things to make us more like Jesus to share the family likeness. And then there's unity in the family. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 says, "Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, for there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He brings unity. He brings unity in relationships, in marriages, in families, in friendships, in small groups and in churches. You may have even experienced just a tiny little taste of that in your experience, this closeness, this unity. And Paul says, make every effort to maintain the unity because maintaining unity is not always easy. You know, unity in a church is so important. Unity in the global church, Catholics, Protestants, Orthodox, Pentecostal, Methodist, Baptist, all together, Presbyterian, you know, name them all, that's fine. Unity is important. You know, in my life, I have attended churches that belong to four different denominations. Churches of Christ, Baptist, Brethren and Pentecostal. And I have thoroughly been impressed by the unity that exists in the churches. You know, we all love Jesus. We're all carriers of his spirit. So of course there's unity. One God, one Lord, one faith. One hope. That's what the Spirit of God does. He brings unity in the family. And yeah, there's those little things that we might disagree on here and there. But overall, we are unified. And then what the Spirit does is he gives gifts for all the children. We're going to look at this one Later on. But you might just like to have a glance over at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. starts out and says, Now to each one of you, we, each one of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There we go. Manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The Holy Spirit gives everybody a gift, and that's not an exclusive list. There are other gifts that the Spirit gives of encouragement, teaching, and so on, but every single one of you has gifts, not just one, but lots of gifts, And the idea of a community, a family, is that we're meant to use our gifts. And it's not that you have sort of the church leaders who do all the stuff and everybody watches, you are the church. You're the ones with the gifts. And it's not supposed to be like a footy match where you have 60,000 people desperately in need of exercise, watching 36 people desperately in need of a rest. That's kind of how many churches operate. Someone has said to me it's the 1090 principle 10% of the people do 90% of the work. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like a footy game with 36 people on the field while 60,000 people watch on. It's meant to be everyone involved. One person wrote to this pastor. He said, Dear Pastor, there are 566 people in our church. 100 are frail and elderly. That leaves 466 to do all the work. But 80 are young people are at school age. And so that leaves 386 to do all the work. But 150 of those are tired business people so that leaves 236 people to do all the work. 150 of those are busy with children, that leaves 86 to do the work. But 15 live too far away to come here regularly, and anyway, that that leaves 71 to do all the work. 69 say they've already done their bit for the church, and that leaves you and me, and I'm exhausted, so good luck to you. (laughs) That's not how it's meant to be. We all have gifts and we're all meant to use them. And when we're all using them, then the church comes alive and is vibrant and is an exciting family, a place to be, a place where you can belong. But it's all of us involved together. That's why the Spirit gives us all gifts. And so we're supposed to use them for the betterment of others, for building up of the church, of his people, of his family. And finally, it is a growing family. The Spirit of God gives us power. We read earlier, you will receive power and you'll be my witnesses. This is how the church grows. The Spirit of God gives us his power and we are his witnesses. We tell other people, about what's happened. Other people see in us the difference that the Holy Spirit makes and they're drawn. Maybe that's how you came on, on, you know, to church one day. You saw the difference that Jesus makes, that the Holy Spirit makes in someone else's life and you were attracted by it. Now I know that that terrifies people, the thought of I've got to be a witness. You know, some people that is a terrifying thought I've got to talk about what happened. I don't want to talk to my friends about what's happened. That's a terrifying thing to do. Do you mean if I become a Christian, I have to talk to my friends? I don't think my friends are going to become Christians if I have to talk to my friends. I heard about one man that was like that and he said, you know, I'm not going to become a Christian because I know that if I become a Christian, it means I'll have to talk to other people. And that would be so embarrassing. I'm definitely not going to do that. And he went and saw an old wiser guy. Look, this this guy said to him, this old wise guy said to him, look, in your case, God has made an exception. You never need to tell anyone about what's happened to you. It can just be a little secret between you and God. Nobody needs to know. He was so relieved. He went up to his bedroom, got down on his knees, gave his life to Christ. As he encountered Jesus, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with joy and excitement. He went down to the kitchen where five of his friends and his family were sitting and said, do you know what? It's amazing. You can become a Christian and you don't have to tell anybody about it. But that's the point. When you encounter Jesus, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that is often the first thing you want to do. You just want your family and friends to know. You want everyone to know because it's so amazing to know Jesus, to experience the Holy Spirit. We started last week by looking at the first verse of the Bible, we're going to finish today by looking at almost the last of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, there at the beginning, He's here at the end. The Spirit and the Bride, that's the church, the Bride of Christ, say, come. Let those who hear say, come. Let those who are thirsty, come. Come. Let all who wish take the free gift of the water of life. That's the invitation. The invitation is to everyone. The Spirit and Bride say, come. Come and experience God's love for you. Come and experience this intimate relationship of being able to address God as Abba, Come and have this deep experience of feeling God's love. Come and have access to the Father. The Spirit, help stand the Bible, come. Come and be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Come and be united with millions of Christians around the world. Come and experience the gift and the gifts of the Spirit. Come and experience the power of God giving you a desire to bring blessing by telling other people about the good news of Jesus. Anybody who comes, you will receive the free gift of the water of life. That's the promise for you. If you say, well, I really want that, the promise is if you come, you will receive. You might say, well, I'm not ready. Well, if you don't feel that thirst, if, if, if there's anyone thirsty, you say, well, well, I don't feel thirsty, that's okay. Well, what you can do is, is this. You can pray. You can say, Lord, I don't have a thirst, but Lord, would you give me a thirst? And then God will give you that thirst. And when you have that thirst, let those who are thirsty come, Let all who wish take. And this is what God will give you. The free gift of the water of life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, may we come. Lord, may you give us that thirst to come. And Lord, as we are all... Thirsty people, Lord, that spiritual thirst that, Lord, only the water of life can satisfy. Lord, may you give us that also. Lord, may we become members of this family. Lord, may we become more like your likeness by the Son, by your, your Spirit, as we are sons and daughters of God. And Lord, may your spirit within us continue to develop that relationship that we have with you, and may we call you Abba, Father, Dad. May you help us with your spirit, help us develop that intimate relationship and develop the family likeness. May you also help us to continue developing in unity together together And Lord, as you've given each one of us gifts, may we use those gifts as you've given them each to us, as you determine in your sovereign will. May we use those to bless others. And Lord, may you bless us to become a growing family as we tell more and more and more people about the amazing thing it is to become a Christian. Come. May we come before you. And may indeed we feel the blessing of that water of life flowing in us and through us, we pray. Amen.